The following program is being brought to you on the World Talk Radio Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit worldtalkradio.com. The World Talk Radio Network, where the world comes to talk. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the World Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. You're listening to Star Style. Be the star you are with hosts Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany. Be the star you are is a 501c3 nonprofit corporation to improve literacy and positive media. All contributions and donations are tax deductible. To comment on today's show, please call in toll free at 1-866-613-1612. That's 1-866-613-1612. Or send an email to info at be the star you are.org. Now back to Star Style, Be the Star You Are, with the Oprah of the Airwaves, Cynthia Bryan. Be the star you are. Well, hello, Power Partners, and welcome to the Hour of Power. It's our party time. I am Cynthia Bryan. And I'm Heather Whitney. And we are so happy to be your personal growth success coaches here on the Airwaves with you, bringing you authors, experts, and professionals that help you enjoy a more fulfilled life. We hope you'll get ready to pump your energy, love, learn, laugh, listen. And, of course, we want you to live your dreams because we are a show about following your heart and doing what you love. This show is brought to you by Be The Star You Are, a nonprofit corporation and produced by Star Style Productions. Today on Be The Star You Are, we're going to be discussing National Teen Self-Esteem Month in our T for Two segment, followed by sociologist author Wesley Ford's insights with his book, How to Pick a Lover, And finally, in segment three, it's all about phenomenal, natural wonders of the world. So sit back, enjoy the show. The miracle moment for today is brought to you by Star Style Productions, coaching you to be the star you are. For expert consultations in writing, speaking, acting, and life challenges, call 925-377-7827. That's 925-377-7827. Or visit star-style.com. The Miracle Moment, it's a Chinese proverb. Learning is a treasure that will follow its owner everywhere. And, you know, Heather and I really believe in this because the only, the only poverty is truly ignorance. So the more you learn, the more you know, the more you grow, the more you go. And that gets me to self-esteem. So what is self-esteem? I like what Goethe said. When we treat a man as he is, we make him worse than he is. When we treat him as he already were, what he potentially could be, we make him what he should be. Oh, I like that. Yes. And so this is the way that I've always approached my uh, coaching and uh, consulting businesses is to look at people in the way that I believe that they can attain greatness. You know, we can all attain greatness. So how do we develop a a sense of self-esteem relative to our surrounding world? What really is self-esteem, and how can we gain more of it? Because one thing to know about self-esteem is that it takes shape in the first three years of our life. So a child's self-worth and sense of self is formed through the relationships with adults closest to him or her, and usually that's parents. So it's critical. It's really critical that we empower our kids from, from the time they are born. And, of course, Heather, as we know, parents aren't perfect, 
but either are children. So <laughs> people have to grow up with some type of impairment on self-esteem. But we're going to try to help you increase self-esteem at any age, and especially since it's National Self-Esteem Month uh, for teens, we really want to help teenagers have more self-esteem. They seem to be a group that, in general, suffer from a lack of self-esteem. Uh, I think about when you turn 12, would you say, Heather? You start feeling like, you know, I'm just not good enough. The thing that's, you know, so interesting is as we grow, as eventually one day we become parents and you look back, you always remember that at one time in life you were a teenager too, that the all the angst and how everything is just the end of the world, my life's over, I can never be seen again. You know, how we go through all these emotions and self-esteem, you know, it's the way we view ourselves, it's the way we believe others view um, ourselves and it's, it's made by our own influences and by the way, you know, comments people say, whether good or bad, either lift us up or take us down. And with it being Teen Self-Esteem Month, it's also, um, with my being and working with Planned Parenthood, it's also National Teen Pregnancy Month. Ah, so, and so we, those two are so important to talk about together. And there's such a connection with it because good self-esteem makes us make good choices. And statistics have shown that, so that teenagers who have poor self-esteem you know, are more likely to get involved with drugs, alcohol, um, you know, not only just uh, having sexual relations at a younger age, but making poor sexual choices as in well, You know, and this or is one of the main reasons for Be the Star You Are. It's one of our, our missions is to increase self-esteem in teens and everyone because just as you said, um, teens with high self-esteem, they'll have higher IQs, they'll be more effective students, they'll learn more easier, they'll be healthier, they'll be happier young people and adults and with the low esteem, they tend to exhibit self-destructive behaviors or more disruptive. They do poorer in school, and as you said, they become involved with drugs, alcohol, have eating disorders, they run with the wrong crowd, and sometimes it resorts to suicide. So we really, as adults, have great influence over the self-esteem of kids. Uh, whether we realize it or not, so it's important that our interactions be positive. Well, I think that's you know, one thing is at this age, Kids are so critical on themselves, and the other people's view of them is so important. Um, so that's why we didn't think, you know, with uh, Planned Parenthood, we're so big about, you know, we love going into schools and educating people about, you know, if they are going to have sex at a young age, you know, to make wise decisions, do this. But what's something that's so interesting is we always open up these forums, you know, for kids to ask any of the questions. We have this anonymous box, you know, they can put in these little questions, and some things, you know, seem silly, something, but... A lot of these are real questions that kids have, and it's, it's fantastic that we're there to answer it for them. But it's unfortunate at the same time that they're not going to their very first teacher, which is their parents, and it's discarded at home. And so with all kinds of self-esteem, it's really important, you know, the information you share with your kids, but the way you view your children. Um, you know, self, as kids, you know, especially if their bodies are changing um, or school may become more difficult, it's really important that parents, you know, don't uh, make unreachable expectations for their kids. That, you know, instead of if the slightest comment, if telling your child that they're not pretty or they're overweight or they're not, you know, they do a sports event and, you know, you got second, why didn't you get first? Those little things that sometimes parents may think they're encouraging their kid to be healthy or do better can actually be detrimental, can actually have an adverse effect on it. So find, you know, ways of communicating with your children to really to build their self-esteem because you are such an important role for them. And your view of, I have to say, 9 out of 10 of my friends growing up, there was the one thing it was that 
you, you know, you, if you did something wrong, you wish your parents would tell you they hated you or that the worst thing was when your parents would say, I'm not mad, I'm just disappointed. That was like, oh, no, anything but that. Yeah, and so you don't think, want them to be disappointed. <laughs> I think so. I think teenagers, you know, when they're made, when comments are made to them regarding their body, regarding their grades, regarding their friends, they feel as if they are a disappointment or they're letting someone down. An expectation has been made. Um, for them, you know, by someone that really matters to them. And, and that, you know, goes into all things. That's why, you know, girls will find, put themselves in not as good situations, you know, with boyfriends or, you know, because there's so much when people put an expectation out uh, about you and saying that someone thought something of you, you know, that you were higher or you were this or that, um, that people feel bad that they haven't achieved that. So it really starts at home. And, um, you know, one thing, yesterday I had the fantastic event it was um, the capital here in California. It was National Teen Capital Day, so or Teen Capital Day. So the, every Planned Parenthood affiliate, we went and we marched up the Capitol. We were lobbying for um, all kinds of reproductive rights and all these great things. But the wonderful thing was um, we got to bring uh, certain teens from um, that. You know, they went through a whole process and they became advocates with Planned Parenthood and got active in our programs. But we got to get these teens um, active in something. They got them active, you know, in politics. And that's one of those things that when kids are more involved in activities, when kids are encouraged, when we're saying, look at what a difference you are making at such a young age. You are putting, you know, you're up there talking to our senators and our lobbyists. So that's the one big thing I'd say that, you know, with your teen is growing, don't let them just sit out. Get them involved in sports after school. Encourage them to be, as you said, you know, what their potential is. Um, you know, we've always found that, you know, the more sports you play, the front and the more activity, it keeps you, you're so busy, it keeps you out of trouble. It creates a better image. You know, when people are doing sports stuff, when they're being, you know, just applauded for all their, you know, achievements, that feels really good. And it's kind of, it's a, it's a positive, uh, you know, kind of spiraling thing that once it, once it kind of starts, it starts as a moral hole and it becomes a mountain of good things. Um, of just keeping your kid activated. Yeah, it's so important. I think that uh, the more active you are, this is, uh, this I think is one of the great things that um, the volunteers at Be The Star You Are are doing is the majority of our volunteers are young people, the majority are girls and women, and mm -hmm. what is happening is that most of them are young teens from junior high through college. And by becoming leaders in a charity where they have the responsibility to manage other teens and activities and outreach programs, services, mm. readings, et cetera, it gives them a not only the leadership roles but really tons of self-esteem. They feel that they have great qualities and that they're able to help others. And I really feel that when we examine and recognize people, it makes them grow better. Completely. Um, you know, so as you were saying, as with some kind of ideas of keeping your kids activated, um, well, actually one thing I want to get back to you just regarding the parents is because we said that, you know, it's all depending on your uh, kids' uh, kids' self-esteem with their friends, who they hang around with, the right kid, the wrong crowd. Um, but parents, sometimes parents, you know, the authority figures for teens, um, they cause us the low self-esteem because they're, they seem unvalued. So just be really cautious of constructive criticism and unrealistic expectations. And a great thing, too, as you were just saying, of with volunteerism, 
So all the kids that were with us yesterday were volunteering, though they got to um, via through their school. Now one thing here in California, in order to graduate from um, high school or middle school sometimes too, um, you have to achieve so many um, uh, volunteer service hours. Service hours. And so these kids got active in these programs, and I was just so impressed yesterday and just to see these kids shine. And these were all different races, guys and girls, all different ages, all different, you know, uh, uh, religious background, all these different, how different, this big melting pot of people, and how empowered they seem. And I think that's a really great thing of volunteerism is very empowering for kids. And it, it just sets the thing of where also not only are they improving themselves, but with a lot of volunteer programs, especially with Be The Star You Are, you guys are about empowering others as well. So here's teens helping teens, or you're doing stuff with the elderly, or just in the, in the community. I know there's a big community event coming up this weekend. Um, there were the charity offices located, and it's just oh, another no, way. I, let me just plug that really quickly. We have the Moraga Community Fair. There will be five to 6,000 people. We have over 100 volunteers that will be manning three different Be The Star You Are booths, offering free activities for children from face painting, mask making, uh, plant a seed, and paint a pot, which is a metaphor for literacy. We'll have reading circles. We'll have teen contributors to the book, Be the Star You Are for Teens, autographing books there. And, of course, we're going to have a mega book sale of all kinds of really positive books. And then, in addition, there will be uh, many other activities um, for youth and for the whole family. So it's the Moraga Community Fair in the Ream Shopping Center, 11 to 6 p.m. on Saturday. Visit BeTheStarYouAre.org for more information. Thank you, Heather, for plugging that. It's a great place to see teens in action doing, doing really good things, and you can talk to them about um, their volunteer experiences. It's going to be a great resource as well. If, not only, if, if anyone hasn't been out to any of the Be The Star events, um, this is a great way to all the all the books all the books will be there as well as the author for her to sign yourself. But you'll get to see um, a lot of the programs. You know that we're asking if you are able to um, spot if you're able to donate either your time or money, you'll be able to see it in action. So see, um, you know all the great things that ninety nine dollars for ninety nine books. You know helping um, the outreach within the community as well as seeing all these teams. So you know I want to say it's interesting that you're talking about the kids getting their community service hours because. Today, when I opened my email, I had uh, nine requests from teenagers to uh, work with, uh, do some charitable work for community service hours. And, mm -hmm. you know, I just think it's a great, a great opportunity for youth. I'm really happy that it's part of the curriculum now and something that can help kids. It's not just with Be The Star You Are. But whatever your, wherever your interest lies, if you want to work for a food bank or you want to, um, to work with the homeless or you want to work with juvenile halls or whatever your interest is, there's always room for volunteerism. And the interesting thing about it is you learn new skills. So it's, you are really, you're, you're gaining your community service hours at the same time you're learning new skills that can help in the job arena. But most of all, I really believe, as you said, Heather, that it is increasing your self-esteem, your self-awareness. Um, you get to stretch and grow without fear of ridicule or failure. You know, I mean, we try to provide a safe, supportive, stress-free environment where each person 
can achieve unlimited confidence, and that is very, very important for a lifetime of doing well in the world. Self-empowerment and communication can effectively change our world. So in this month that it is a t- a National, self- National Self-Esteem Teen Month, do whatever you can to help uh, teens increase their self-esteem. <laughs> Most that was a mouthful there. That was a mouthful. In fact, I thought about it. I thought, hmm, I think all I really had to say is be the star you are because self-esteem <laughs> is really embodied in that slogan, isn't it? Exactly. With the whole thing, my biggest thing is if you're not if you're not a teen out there, if you're whether a parent of a teen, a friend of a teen, is this is your opportunity. If you've ever felt those angst or anything to, you know, make something even for yourself. There's never a bad time to improve your own self-esteem. We all have those days um, where we feel like we are on top of the world and we are so incredible. And then you know we have those days where we just feel like we just can't do it right and you know, nothing's good enough. So it's all those things just remember, you know, we're human beings, not human doings. Um, but definitely take this opportunity in this month as, as um, why it really reflects close to me with this month as well as being with uh, National Teen Pregnancy Month, is that we want to um, reduce those rates of teen pregnancy but increase um, uh, increase high, high esteem. So just make sure, you know, you're creating a positive environment. Always make sure with, when you're with teens that there's never a dumb um, question regarding anything. Well, um, life is excellent. So in other words, follow your heart, do your best, leave each day, live each day to the fullest. You will experience more self-esteem and personal power because a person with healthy self-esteem can accept criticism and rejection and failure while pursuing a goal, and we really want to help the teens do that, to put aside negative feelings, to learn from mistakes, and take pride in what we excel. Everyone can reach for the... Stars. When we return from break, we're going to learn how to pick a lover with author Wesley Ford. I think we all want to learn how to love more with the right people. We don't want you to go away. It's going to be a steamy segment. Heather, give out the website. Most definitely, you want me to go to be the star you are. org, be the star you are. com, myspace. com forward slash Carmen Clutches, and you can also ch- check out planned. .org for anything regarding teen pregnancy awareness. Well, I'm Cynthia Bryan. And I'm Heather Brady. And we'll be back in a minute with Wesley Ford. Stay with us. You're listening to Star Style. Be the star you are. Listen. Listen. The world is talking. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Apathy, violence, and negative messages are everyday occurrences in our country. You can be a changemaker when you dare to care by supporting Be The Star You Are Charity, a 501c3 that empowers women, families, and youth through improved literacy, positive media, and tools for living. Visit www.bethestarur.org to find out how you can make a difference in our world. Everyone counts. That web address again is www.bethestarur.org. Bethestarur.org. Are you living your dreams? Want to create a life you love but don't know how to begin? 
Lifestyle coach and personal growth expert Cynthia Bryan has jump-started the lives and careers of clients for over two decades with her signature star-style consultations. With personalized sessions by phone or in person, you'll turn your passions into profits. Visit www.cynthiabryan.com or call 925-377-STAR. That's cynthiabryan.com or call 925-377-7827. Cynthia Bryan is your guide on the side. www.cynthiabryan.com. You can be the star you are. You're listening to the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. You're listening to Star Style, Be the Star You Are, with hosts Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany. Be the Star You Are is a 501c3 nonprofit corporation to improve literacy and positive media. All contributions and donations are tax deductible. To comment on today's show, please call in toll-free at 1-866-613-1612. That's 1-866-613-1612. Or send an email to info at bethestarur.org. Now back to Star Style, Be the Star You Are, with the Oprah of the Airwaves, Cynthia Bryan. Be the star you are. Well, thank you for staying tuned to Star Style, Be the Star You Are, where the world comes to talk and listen. I am your personal growth coach, Cynthia Bryan, and since 1998, this program has been bringing you the greatest authors and experts who help you excel in your life. Now, while it may be considered taboo, any woman married, single, or otherwise should feel great about her decision to take a lover. How to Pick a Lover is a groundbreaking book written to help women have meaningful and rewarding love affairs, written by sociologist and marriage counselor Wesley Ford. Welcome, Wesley, to Star Style, Be the Star You Are. Thank you, Cynthia. It's great to be here. Well, I really enjoyed your book. At first glance, the title is very alluring. It, it makes us believe that How to Pick a Lover is going to be this invitation to kind of a clandestine affair of the heart. <laughs> However, what I found when I started reading it, it is a very disciplined and research roadmap on how women can really discover who the correct man will be for them who will fulfill their heart and their longings and really give them, you know, a total pleasure all the way around. So let's, um, you, you start off your book by saying that it's not a how-to book. There have been plenty of those. But instead, it's more of a book in figuring out what kind of person you want. Give us a little bit of your background, Wesley, because you have uh, quite a few degrees and, and a long, long career in helping um, couples and marriages and women you know, go for their heart. Yeah, I uh, taught marriage and family classes for a number of years at the University of Western Ontario in London, Ontario. And as you noted, I've done marriage and family counseling. And this book was really sort of a product of um, the classes I was teaching. Um, you know, we did typical conversations on mate selection and uh, dating and mate selection. And in the course of teaching those classes, a lot of women would say to me, well, you know, I'm really not ready to get married yet. So if I'm not ready to get married yet, how do I go about dating someone? And it made me realize that um, women often are still in a position where they can't recognize their full potential because they haven't really been allowed to define just who they are on their own terms. 
Well, you know, you bring out a lot of historical data in your book as well. You know, one of the things that during the, the, was it the Queen Victoria age when women would be told, you know, just to think of England or do it for England or whatever, you know, women have been repressed for such a long time that even though it's been about 50 years since the advent of the birth control uh, pill and women are, you know, coming out a bit more and being a bit more sexual and into their bodies, we still haven't had full permission to really go out there and be the lovers that we possibly can be. Right. No, I, I think there, there still continues to be a double standard in terms of female sexuality and that it does, there, can, there, there continues to be a repression that women feel that they uh, are held to a different standard than men are. And I think we see that still, I mean, as much as things have changed, some things have stayed the same. And I think just as we have lots of terms to describe women who are too sexual, we really don't have terms that describe men as being too sexual. And, you know, in fact, you know, in, 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 in school, in high schools, in college, I mean, the, the idea of a, a male or a young man having a reputation was a good thing versus a girl who had a reputation was a bad thing. And that gets permeated, you know, I think in very subtle ways throughout our culture where women begin to feel that there is something wrong if they want to really fulfill their passion or they feel passionate or they have sexual needs that they want to have met and feel that they're not really in a position to uh, address those without, uh, at a, without it coming at a cost to them. So we're talking to Wesley Ford. He's the author of How to Pick a Lover for Women Who Want to Win at Love. One of the, the real uh, positive attributes that I love of the book is how you have divided many the chapters into very small, very succinct, kind of bite-sized subchapters that we can just read in a couple of minutes or something that really talks about what it is that you want to establish in, in that particular chapter. And uh, you talk about the importance of really matching the, uh, your, the personalities of, of, um, of both people and getting what you want and not settling. And so I really liked it when you were talking about in your book how that we need to screen out the obvious losers. Uh, and I, if you don't mind, Wesley, I'd like to go there because when I talk to women, it seems that uh, so many say have regrets of people that they have been with or that they've chosen or that they think they have to settle for some reason or another. And uh, could we just talk a little bit about this chapter, Screening Out the Losers? Sure. Some, sure. Of, the, some of the warning signs for, for, uh, for women that we really should be looking out for. Well, I think so, some of the warning signs are men, you know, who, you know, we still have sexism in our society, men who may be overly aggressive in the sense that they're, they show, you know, show signs that they could be potentially physically abusive. And I think, you know, you have to watch for those signs. Or uh, another, I think, telltale sign sometimes is listening to the jokes that men tell. I mean, they may tell them as being funny, but what they're really relaying to you is how they feel about women indirectly. Because I think it puts women in a situation where uh, if they object to the joke, then it's like, well, you just don't have a sense of humor. And it puts a woman in a spot where she can't really object to jokes that are kind of degrading towards women. So I think, you know, watching for those kinds of things uh, and just making sure that the, the cues that you're looking for is that the man really does appreciate a woman for who she is and for her ability 
and her qualities and wants to have a woman who is really mutually involved in the relationship with him. Well, you know, and on that point, piggybacking on what you said, you stated that, you know, it's very important to know if the man has any abusive tendencies or perhaps even came from an abusive home. And you can, even if he had a a father who was abusive, you can tell how he may react by his reaction to how that abuse was in the household. For example, you stated something to the effect of, if you're, he said something like, um, yeah, my father, you know, knocked my mother around and kind of she deserved it, then it's a warning signal. Right, right. It's a I big mean, warning signal. Right. I mean, I think any time you have a man tell you that a woman deserves something physically done to her uh, when she's not in a position of power is a warning sign that that man is prone to violence. And maybe not at that moment, but in the right circumstance and in the, in the right situation, you know, the woman's very likely to find uh, him express, uh, that individual express the violence towards her and think that it's okay. And so normally the warning signs are there, and we just have to really look at them. And, again, you talk about that in your chapter. Another chapter that I thought was also important, uh, well, they're all important, but interesting, is your book is not advocating that uh, women go out and be promiscuous. It's advocating that we become aware that we really become clear on what it is that we want and to, so that we can have a satisfying life. But you have a chapter called Eeny, Meeny, Miny, Mo, Don or Charles or Jack or Joe, where you also go into lovers aren't for everyone, or if you want to be celibate, it's okay too. The bottom line is to really know what is right for you. Yes, that's true, Cynthia. I think, you know, it really is being in tune with, what your needs are and who you are and what you want. And that may change at different stages in your life. And I think I say in the book, you know, the body has a wisdom of its own. And if it doesn't feel sexual, it doesn't feel sexual, and you shouldn't force it. And there's nothing wrong with celibacy. Now, that may change, but I think, you know, you do have to listen to your body and what your body is telling you and not feel like you have to sort of meet some expectation of someone else or the pressure from a partner to be sexual when you don't feel like being sexual. And I think... I try to express in the book, too, something that I think needs to be stated time and time again. The woman's body is her own, and she owns it, and she has the right to do with that body what she chooses, and she should feel that she has that right. And I think in some cases, still, women don't feel that they have that right to own their own body. I think this is so important, and if anybody can take away anything from this conversation, it is so critical to know that we have to honor and respect our own bodies, and that they are our our own personal temple. So if we want to have a great relationship, we've got to start with ourselves first, and yes. then we can move on from that. Right. In looking for a sensual and sensuous lover, uh, you write about dancing, and I thought that was a great, <laughs> a great, great chapter of when you watch people dance, that can really say a lot about who they are and how they look at their bodies and how they feel about their bodies. Yeah, I, I think the rhythm of dance and watching some, I mean, someone, I think, as I say, someone who is stiff and awkward on the dance floor and doesn't, isn't comfortable in their body and doesn't feel comfortable with movement and fluidity is probably also not going to make a good lover in the sense that they're not suddenly going to turn into this wonderful magic person in the bedroom when they're so stilted in dancing, which is, you know, dancing has a very erotic component to it, which the Puritans, you know, long ago tried to ban dancing for that very reason. They, they, they recognized the eroticism in it. 
But and, you know, and all you have to do is, I think, as I pointed out in the book, watch, watch dancing, dancing with, with the, the stars. stars is what you said. It's yeah. so true. And to see just how erotic dancing can actually be. And so I think it gives you, it, again, dancing is just, it's another clue of what a man may be like in terms of his, his own sort of sense of eroticism. Let's talk about age differences, Wesley, because it is still not so accepted that a woman be with a younger man, although we think nothing of, uh, you know, of an older man with a younger woman. The examples that you give in your book are Catherine Zeta-Jones with Michael Douglas, for example, and what is he, what is he maybe 30 years, 40 yeah. years older than her? Yeah, yeah, I'm not yeah. even sure, but yeah, nobody Yeah, 25, says, 30 years older, yes. Something like that, right? Yes. Whereas Demi Moore and Ashton Kushner, what are they, 15, 15. maybe? 15 uh, and everyone goes, ooh, that, uh, is it changing? What do you see in your practice and in your experience? Well, I, I, I think it is changing somewhat, but there's still that double standard that somehow, it, you know, it's okay for the older man to be involved with a younger woman, but somehow the older woman um, is, is out of, is sort of out of sort, and there's, you know, some of this has to do, I think, just with things that we don't think about consciously in sociology there's a, a phenomenon called the mating gradient, which says whatever equal status or power, a man should have more of it than a woman. You know, things that equal, and power is not just money, but height, size, uh, age, all those things that bring power with you. So part of the, the, the discrepancy when you see a uh, younger woman with an older, uh, or an older woman with a younger man, it's the power discrepancy is sort of out of, in the wrong direction. And as I often say to people, if you saw you know, a um, six-foot woman walking down the street with a man who is five-foot-two, you know, there would be very negative comments about, like, you know, well, you know who wears the pants in that family. Mm -hmm. And so, when the, you know, part of, I think, why we have a problem with older women with younger men is because it goes against that uh, structure that's been set up where we believe that we should have this differential between men and women in relationships. Well, and, and you also point out something that is definitely a truism, that women do live six to seven years longer in general, at least as of the standards of today. Right. And so if it is a relationship that you're looking forward to having into your older years, um, you have to think about whether an older man or a younger man right. is a better thing. Right. Well, and, and not, not only do you not commit yourself to voluntary widow, widowhood if you marry a younger man, there, there's also, you know, the situation where women um, achieve their, the peak of their sexuality at a much uh, older age than young men do. So they come into their sexuality much later. So the pairing of an older woman and younger man often is uh, a, a sexually much more rewarding relationship as well. So it really can work. I know that I have a couple of friends right now who are in such a relationship, uh, and it's very interesting the kind of the gossip that goes around. There's always little whispers behind their back, and I always wonder why is that? I mean, if it was the other way around, there wouldn't be those whispers. Right. And they're absolutely perfectly happy, and it seems it seems consensual, and both people are happy. And we're not talking. Teenagers, you know, we're talking people that are 40, 30s, 40s, 50s. 
so it's not like you know they're not robbing the cradle or anything. Right, and it's it's interesting that the people you know that people don't focus on the fact that they're happy. That's they're happy, and be, that you hit it on the nose. That's what I keep about. saying is. All you see is smiles, and they're happy. So yes. they're obviously doing something right. Right. So um, I want to also talk about, um, you talk about uh, not only premarital sex, but actually having extramarital affairs in here, too, and the cautions that have to be taken. And what I wanted to discuss there is how important it is to really know what your own values and um moral standards are, as well as if there are other people who could get hurt by what it is that you are you are deciding to do. And you talk about this in, in great length in your book. We're talking to Wesley Ford. How to Pick a Lover is his book. It's just a, a wonderful, wonderful book for women who want to win at love. Could you address that just for a moment? Um, I, I, could, well, sorry, could you just repeat that again? Well, I was just wondering about... What we were talking, you know, in the, today's day, it, you're not expected, man or woman, to be a virgin at marriage anymore. Right. Whereas in days gone by, it was fine for men, but not okay for women. Right. And so I just wanted you to talk about this kind of, uh, the, that kind of behavior, it, both in, you know, before marriage and also perhaps when you're in a marriage, if you're not in a marriage that has maybe a sexual component and you feel that you need to go outside of it. Right. I, and, and I think, you, you know, there's many cases, and I know not everyone would agree with me, but, and I think, again, I think as you pointed out earlier, it, it really becomes a matter of really knowing who you are, knowing what the parameters are, and, you know, because not everyone who has an affair wants to end their marriage. And I think if they begin, if they begin the affair knowing that, then they need to set up ways in which, you know, they're not going to hurt the people that are around them because, you know, the idea of an affair, it doesn't last forever. And so this may be something that the woman needs at that time, but she wants to stay in her marriage. She's happy in her marriage. And as you say, it may be sexless at that point, and, and she has sexual feelings that she wants fulfilled, but she doesn't want to end her marriage. And, uh, you know, it's a concept that's hard for people to believe or, you know, accept, I should say, is more like it because the idea of being unfaithful in a marriage uh, is seen as very negative. But there are cases, I think, where this works out very well for everyone involved, and the marriage stays intact, and everyone is happy. You know, it brings to mind the recent movie uh, with uh, George Clooney. Uh, I'm sure that you probably saw it. That was it. What was it called? Flying High. It was the one yes. about him, how he's uh, he's flying all the time, and he meets a woman um, on the plane and the job. And he thinks she's single. He actually falls for her, and he shows up at her house, and it turns out that. All she wanted was this fun affair, and uh, she was very married with children, and it really upset her when he finally showed up at her house. Yeah, that's a perfect example, and, you know, at least in the movie, it's clear that she was very happy in her marriage, and she didn't want the two to intercede one another. They're very separate things for her. Right, right. And, and then the final thing uh, before um, we send people to go out and uh, get your book, and the book is How to Pick a Lover for Women Who Want to Win at Love, is we want to be safe. And Heather was talking about this earlier through Planned Parenthood, for example. It's very important to practice safe sexual practices, whether no matter what, because every person that you are with, you're with every person they've ever been with. Right, right. And, uh, yeah, and I think we can't forget that. And, I mean, I think sometimes we're in relationships that, 
um, you know, we think that this is the one and only relationship. But unless your partner is really being totally honest and you really feel you're in that, uh, you know, you can really trust your partner, you don't ever really know. So I think in any case, it's always a wise thing to practice safe sex, as difficult as that may be. I mean, again, this is sort of respecting yourself and respecting your own health, and that's how you have to sort of think about it. Yeah, and your life may depend on it. Yes. Well, uh, Wesley, your book, How to Pick a Lover for Women Who Want to Win at Love, is available online and can be ordered in bookstores. We'll have a link at our website on starstyleradio.com, so you can check it out there. But they can go to Amazon or any of the online sites, right? Yes, Amazon or Barnes Noble. And you can also ask for it at your bookstore. How to Pick a Lover for Women Who Want to Win at Love. The author is Wesley Ford. I highly recommend this book. It is just absolutely excellent. We only touched on a few of the topics. It's a very easy read, and it just covers everything you could possibly want to know about how to really find the right companion, the right love interest for you in a very intelligently in, uh, written book. Wesley, love the book. Really terrific. Oh, thank I'm, you for well, thank offering you. it uh, to our listeners, and thanks for being on the show today. Well, I, I, re- I very much enjoyed it, and I'm, I'm, th- I'm glad that you enjoyed the book. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I really think this is a, it's important, especially for anyone out there who is single and is lamenting the fact that, you know, I can't ever find the right man or there's no good men out there. It's maybe because you're going about it wrong. Pick up a copy of How to Pick a Lover for Women Who Want to Win at Love by Wesley Ford. Wesley, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for being on Star Style. Be the star you are. Uh, thank you, Cynthia. When we come back from break, we're going to be looking at, at some phenomenal wonders of the natural world. I'm Cynthia Bryan. This is Star Style. Be the star you are. We'll be back in a bit. Stay with me. The world is talking. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Business Bites. Here's Cynthia Bryan. Do you enjoy work and family balance? More companies are realizing that if their employees enjoy enough time with family and loved ones, that their long-term productivity at work will increase. Employers can take steps to make the workplace a more supportive and flexible environment. Make it acceptable for people to talk about their families. With so many single parents and a majority of women in the workforce these days, everyone from the CEO to the janitor is juggling to have a life of balance. Open communication about family commitments and work duties is imperative if we are going to transform and transfuse our culture with family-friendly companies. Your children and your company will be the real winners. Implement balance in your personal life for a better bottom line. Remember, you are the star of your own performance. Turn your passions into profits. I'm Cynthia Bryan from Star Style with another Business Bite. For more information or to book a coaching session for any of your life challenges, call 925-377-STAR or visit star-style.com. 
apathy, violence, and negative messages are everyday occurrences in our country. You can be a change maker when you dare to care by supporting Be The Star You Are Charity, a 501c3 that empowers women, families, and youth through improved literacy, positive media, and tools for living. Visit www.bethestarur.org to find out how you can make a difference in our world. Everyone counts. That web address again is www.bethestarur.org. BeTheStarYouAre.org The World Talk Radio Variety Channel, where the world comes to listen and talk. You're listening to Star Style, Be the Star You Are, with hosts Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany. Be the Star You Are is a 501c3 nonprofit corporation to improve literacy and positive media. All contributions and donations are tax deductible. To comment on today's show, please call in toll free at 1 866 613 1612. That's 1 866 613 1612. Or send an email to info at be the star you are.org. Now back to Star Style, Be the Star You Are, with the Oprah of the Airwaves, Cynthia Bryan. Be the star you well, our purpose in providing you this show is to communicate to you that you already possess everything you need to be the producer, writer, director, and star of your own life. I always want you to smile, have fun, and be willing to take risks and be wild and wacky. And, of course, we want you to read good books, and many that you haven't heard of, as an author, I have five uh, bestsellers, Chicken Soup for the Gardener's Soul, Be the Star You Are, 99 Gifts for Living, Loving, Laughing, Learning to Make a Difference, The Business of Show Business and Miracle Moments, and our newest book this year is Be the Star You Are for Teens, Simple Gifts for Living, Loving, Laughing, Learning, and Leading. And since it is National Teen Self-Esteem Month, pick up a few copies of Be the Star You Are for Teens to give to the teens in your life or to give to parents, grandparents, uh, school advisors, coaches, anyone that works with young people. It's really a great eye-opener. You can go to bethestarur.com, find more information. You can order any of these books from the Star Style store there, and all the money will benefit Be the Star You Are charity and in turn will help keep this program on the air. BeTheStarYouAre.com. Again, the name of the book, Be the Star You Are for Teens, is the new book. And it seems that everyone that's reading it really does uh, like it. We'll send you autographed copies. You know, the motto of the charity is to be a leader. You must be a reader. So we hope that you are reading, leading, and succeeding in life. That is exactly what we want for you. Well, in this segment, I wanted to talk about some of the phenomenal natural wonders of the world that are in the natural world. They're kind of um, environmental oddities, if you, if you, so to speak. And you can see many of these things, you know, if you go on the Internet, whatever. But there are so many different things. I am always, being the gardener that I am and a nature person, I am just, it, just absolutely... Admiring and admir you know admirer of anything that is natural. A couple of weeks ago, Heather and I were driving in a car. It was thunder and lightning, and all of a sudden it stopped. And there was a double rainbow, two rainbows, one on top of one another, 
absolutely spectacular, perfect rainbows that were half moon shaped. We had to pull off the freeway to take pictures of them and to just ooh and ah because it was so awe-inspiring. But there are many other things, and I thought that it might make an interesting segment that you may want to look into it. One of them are called saline stones. And these are these mysterious moving stones that are made of packed uh, desert mud, and most of them are in Death Valley, and they have been a center of scientific controversy for decades. The rocks weigh up to hundreds and hundreds of pounds, and they have been known to move hundreds of yards at a time. Some scientists have proposed that a combination of strong winds and surface ice account for the movements. However, the theory doesn't explain the evidence of different rocks that are starting side by side, and they move at different rates and in different directions. The physics calculations don't fully support the theory of wind speeds of 100 miles per hour because that's what would be needed to move some of the stones. But you may want to check that out, saline stones. And there are just, the, the colors are beautiful because it's the desert, but they just make all these patterns in Death Valley. Another uh, phenomenal wonder that is of great interest are columnar uh, basalt uh, or basalt. And what that is is when a thick lava flow cools, it contracts vertically, but it cracks perpendicular to its directional flow, and it has this amazing geometric regularity. Now, in most cases, it forms a regular grid pattern that is hexagonal, and it has these extrusions that appear to be made by man, but it's not. Some of the famous examples are um, the Giant's Causeways on the coast of Ireland, <coughs> and although it is probably the largest and the most widely recognized there's another one in Devil's Tower in Wyoming. Now, basalt forms different but equally fascinating ways when the eruptions are exposed to air or water. So if you see any lava flow uh, from a volcano that goes into the ocean, such as in Hawaii, you will see some of these, um, this kind of a wonder, this, the, the lava flow cooling. Something that is really beautiful are called blue holes. Now, blue holes are these giant sudden drops in underwater elevation. They get their name from that very dark, kind of foreboding blue tone that they exhibit when they are viewed from above in relationship to other surrounding waters. They can be hundreds of feet deep, and sometimes divers can go down and explore them, but usually they are devoid of any oxygen that would support any sea life because there's no water circulation. So they're empty. So you could, they could be right in the middle of the ocean. They could contain uh, ancient fossil remains. However, they'll have no fish or anything, and they're called a blue hole. Red tides. Now, many of you might have seen red tides. I have witnessed these a couple of times in Mexico. These are also known as algae blooms, and they are in sudden influx of masses amounts of colored single-cell algae that convert entire areas of the ocean or beach into a blood-red color. I saw this down in Puerto Vallarta one time, and it was rather eerie to go to the ocean, and it was red. It looked like blood. Now, while some of these are harmless, others can have some deadly toxins in them that definitely cause death to fish, birds, and marine mammals, which is something that I experienced. 
And sometimes uh, humans can be harmed by red tides. So you want to be careful about going into the oceans when you see these, although there's been no experience of um, fatalities to humans. But the, it, the, the phytoplankton and the red tides aren't harmful in small numbers, but in large numbers we don't really know. But it is very, very interesting to see these, uh, this whole sea of red. Another phenomenon are ice circles. Now, they seem like they're perfect icicles. Uh, ice circles, you know, you'll have a frozen lake, and in the middle of it will be this frozen circle. But scientists generally accept the fact that they're formed by eddies in the water that are spinning a sizable piece of the ice in a circular motion, and as a result of the rotation, other pieces of ice and flotsam wear relatively evenly at the edges of the ice until it forms an ideal circle. The largest one that has ever been recorded has been over 500 feet in diameter. So uh, they do form in clusters, and you can have all different sizes, from very small ones to up to the 500. Another phenomena, and these are really kind of very eerie to me, are they're called uh, uh, mammatus clouds, and they're these big, fluffy, billowy, ominous clouds that are usually harbingers of a coming storm or another extreme weather system that's coming. They really are composed of ice, and they can extend for hundreds of miles in any direction, and they have very individual formations, but they actually look like something in the sky, almost like big pillows in the sky. And although they look foreboding, there's really nothing that's happening with them. They are just announcing. They're a messenger that severe weather is on its way. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen a fire rainbow. It's different than the double rainbow that I have seen. But a fire rainbow is... A circumhorizontal fire rainbow, it is a rare confluence of kind of time and space when the sun and clouds meet. It's crystals within the clouds that are refracting, uh, refracting light into these waves, and they are array themselves in a way that it looks like fire spurting out from the ground below, but in rainbow colors. It's pretty rare to see them. However, when you do, your photos will be pretty amazing. The double rainbow photos that I took were uh, amazing as it was, and I, that was exciting to me. Sinkholes. Now, they are one of the world's scariest natural phenomena because what it is, it can happen any time. Over time, water erodes the soil under the planet's surface, and until sometimes just very suddenly, the land away gives way and it collapses into the earth. Now, these sinkholes occur naturally, while some of them are actually um, part of human intervention when uh, groundwater is displaced, but it, like, you know, if a, a pipe breaks and then the water will erode. But a regular sinkhole, it just will drop, and it can go hundreds of feet deep, and they have been known to consume entire city blocks, sidewalks, even entire buildings. I find those pretty, pretty scary. And um, another one that I think is interesting is light pillars. Uh, they appear upright, and these are luminous columns in the sky, and they, they cast like a beacon into the air. We don't even know what the apparent source is. They're visible when light reflects just right off of ice crystals. 
usually from the sun, or it could be from an artificial ground source, maybe like a parking light or street lights. Uh, and despite their appearance as solemn columns of light, they really are just a, a viewpoint of life, and they're just totally a reflection. And the final one I just wanted to talk about, and there are many, many more, are fire whirls, also known as fire devils or tornadoes. They appear in and around uh, raging fires when the right combination of climatic conditions. They are spawned by other national, I mean, natural events like earthquakes or thunderstorms. They are incredibly dangerous and in some cases spinning well out of the zone of the fire itself, and they definitely cause a devastation and death. And fire whirls have been known to go as high as a mile and have wind speeds of over 100 miles an hour, and they can last for 20 minutes or more. So take a look. You know, you may want to be going to a book or go into your library and check out some of the, the phenomena that are out there. They are fascinating, and I think that you will be intrigued by them, as I always am, and I'm always looking to find more things in our natural world. Well, thank you so much for being a great listener and for allowing us into your life every week. Make sure you are tuned here with me, Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany. So for our Tea for Two, you can change your life and make your dreams come true. For more information about Star Style or to purchase any of my books, visit star-style.com. To make a donation to Be the Star You Are charity, go to be the star you are. .org. You can also call us 877-944-STAR. That is a toll-free number. May you have peace within you today. May you know that you are a child of God. Sing, dance, bask in the sun, and take a look in the mirror and admire yourself. We hope to encourage, inspire, inform, and motivate you. And please read a book this week. Until we celebrate next week, I am Cynthia Bryan for Star Style, thanking you and encouraging you. Go out into the world and be the star you are. Increase your self-esteem and help a team. Ciao for now. Thanks again for listening to Star Style, Be the Star You Are. For more information about Be the Star You Are nonprofit corporation, please visit bethestaryouare.org. That's bethestaryouare.org. Join Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany again next Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time, here on the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Remember, to be a leader, you must be a reader. Enjoy a stellar week. You're a seeker, a dreamer, with the courage to give.